Welcome to Don't Hold Back Podcast with your host, Ichiko Batmonk, founder of Don't Hold Back and a professional life and mindset coach. She's sharing transformational coaching journeys. We have thoughts, feelings, and emotions, but we are not our thoughts, feelings, or emotions. Are you curious about exploring and experiencing how you can unleash your full potential and passion? It all starts with you, and you are meant to live the life you desire. The purpose of this podcast is to introduce you to a coaching journey and what is available for you. Hope you get inspired and take action accordingly. Welcome to Don't Hold Back Podcast. I'm so excited to have you today and talk about mindset. So please welcome. I would like to ask you to introduce yourself to the audience. Hi, Ishko. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited, and this is a great opportunity for us to to chit-chat and talk about some really cool stuff today. So yeah, my name is Heather Condomitty, and my story is, I'll try to make it as short as possible, but I'm going to be 45 years old, and I am starting Omer. So the message really in that is you can never be too old or too young to change anything or to start over or, you know, follow a dream. So the quicker end of this is COVID has affected me as well. I've been an ICU nurse for 16 years and I got really sick in March right before the huge outbreak at the hospital I worked at. It wasn't COVID, but I was sick. I was really sick and I have asthma. Um, I've had it my whole life, and my lung reserve isn't great to begin with, and this virus, whatever I had, really took a toll on me. And I made a heartbreaking decision in April because I wasn't getting better, and at this point, our unit was just full of COVID patients. I didn't want to subject myself health-wise to that because I was still on steroids. I wasn't getting better, but all I've known is healthcare. I I started in 1993 as an EMT. So I have been in healthcare most of my life. So I made the decision and I had been dabbling in wanting all those words, right? The dabbling, wanting, trying to become a life coach because that's all I knew of terminology 10 years ago. And that's when I started. I wanted to be a life coach. Well, this happened this year and, um, Well, the universe had other plans to just go ahead and go do what you've been wanting, trying, and dabbling to do. So I'm here, but I will tell a little bit further back. I wasn't ready 10 years ago to be a coach. I wasn't even close. I took the training. I had had, um, nursing schooling under my belt. I had all the academics. I took all the classes, I took all the things, the Reiki, the energy work. I grew up in that household of understanding it. But um, my addiction to alcohol was was in the way. And I started drinking in my late teens to feel normal. And I'm sure a lot of empaths can um, relate to this. When you're empathic and don't understand it, you absorb everything, you feel everything, and drinking made me feel normal. And it also made me feel normal in a household that wasn't normal. So as I got older, I continued to drink. I was super high functioning. There's a lot of high functioning alcoholics and addicts in the world. And I was one of them. I went to work, didn't miss my job, but I drank every day that I wasn't working. And it really got bad. And I want to say bad because my husband and I were enjoying craft beer. That became our thing. It became our hobby, not a healthy hobby to have. 
my breaking point was, I think it was December of 2017. I don't remember the exact day, but um, I had been feeling a sense of urgency that I wanted to do more, be more, share more. I had, I felt like there was something trapped inside of me and I wanted to get it out to the world, but I was drinking every single day. I drank to sleep. We pre-gamed to pre-game. We would drink before we would go out to dinner. Everything revolved around drinking. That December night, I don't know what happened. Nothing did. We weren't fighting. Nothing. We, we don't fight. We don't fight. We have an awesome relationship, my husband and I. I walked into the bathroom and all of a sudden something hit me like a ton of bricks and I started crying. I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself anymore. I was a shell of a person who I wanted to be, who I had dreams of being. And in that moment, I crumbled. And in that moment, I absolutely knew I wanted to end my life that who was I to still be here? I was an embarrassment to my husband, to my family, to myself. And I did not want to stay earthbound anymore. And I, I almost did it. I, I was going to take my husband's belt and hang myself in the bathroom. And it wasn't to punish him and it wasn't, it truly wasn't. This is where, you know, the mental illness, you know, creeps in and depression and addiction and all intertwined. I drank because I was anxious. I drank to feel normal. I drank to feel better. I drank when I was happy. I drank to celebrate. I drank when my mom triggered me. I drank because of this. I drank because of that. And when you feel that low, you just want to, you just want to feel better. You just want it to stop. I just wanted it to stop. I just didn't want to hurt anymore. And I didn't want to punish my parents. I didn't want to punish my husband by being this disappointment. Yeah. But something stopped me. And I heard, and maybe it was in my head, maybe it was higher power, maybe it was God, maybe it was my angel, I don't know. But they said, get up, you're not done, get up. And in that moment, um, I didn't do it, obviously I'm here, thank, thank God, thank the universe, thank source, thank power, thank whatever divine intervention happened. But it did, I didn't get sober right away. You know, addiction doesn't work that way. Um, it's a I wasn't ready. <laughs> It is. So even though I almost died that night, oh. um, I essentially was reborn. Like that was, that was my death. It was a death of part of me, but it was also completely my rebirth. And from that moment, something clicked. It took a while for me to get, get sober. I didn't get sober till March, that March and after that December, but I've been sober since. So I've been sober since March of 2018. Wow. And, and that's when the real work started. I'd been doing the work. I'd gone to therapy. I'd been doing the energy work Been doing the work, yeah. but the work didn't start until I got sober. Yeah. yeah. Wow. What a story. Well, thanks for sharing that. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people can relate to that. You know, there are a lot of people also wanting to getting out of their alcoholic. And that really makes me to think that I heard you say you kept drinking. You don't, you couldn't stop yourself. And at the same time, it's almost, correct me if I'm wrong, like, you don't want to feel something and when, maybe when you drink and that makes you feel normal and that makes you feel not to feel anything or a pain or anything like that. Is that what it was? Yeah, I mean, I drank, I drank to feel normal. And I guess, see, I also had under, my anxiety would be much worse. Like the next day after drinking, I would certainly wake up with the shakes and I would have this overwhelming anxiety. I didn't start drinking right away in the morning. I had to do my stuff. And then my reward to myself was to drink in the afternoon and evening. So, but that's the, also the games that, 
you know, addiction plays. Like, well, if I get this done, then I can do this, or I'm going to reward myself and do this or whatever, get high, get drunk, whatever it is. I'm going to shop at the end of the day, yeah. whatever the addiction is. But yeah, I, I drank when I felt sad because it elevated my mood. I drank if I was anxious because it would bring it down a little bit, but it always, it, it always worsened once I got sober the next day. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's, that is the cycle of any addiction. Um, wow, what a story. You know, thanks for sharing that because, like, one thing I noticed is, like, nowadays, in, in anyone, you know, like, people are having a hard time processing their emotion and they don't want to feel it. And usually what they do is they're trying to, like, finding a way to cope, right? It's either drinking or I remember myself, like, if I don't want to feel anything, like, I literally just call my friend, hey, let's go out and do something, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go there with my emotion. You know, I got to always find my way to do something else. And uh, next thing, you know, it's all the trigger, the emotion always going to come next day or maybe next month. And I just, you know, like, I, I just don't deal, I didn't deal with it. I remember myself. Now, like, you know, because of the pandemic, there are a lot of things are happening. And I really certainly see that there are a lot of people also at home feeling down and constantly, right, and feeling depressed. And it's either they're feeling also alone or maybe feeling loneliness, right? So this emotion seem to be really take over our lives. So I really acknowledge you for really now like processing everything and you're becoming a coach. And when you get into this like personal development, like it's a constant also like work, you get to do the work every day, right? So now tell us, how do you also like now, since become, you become a uh, sober, like how do you also like process your emotion? Like, like how are you dealing with it? Well, I will tell you during my sobriety, AA was not for me. And anyone, if anyone is listening to this and they're sober curious or want to stop drinking or know there's an addiction, you don't, AA is not for everybody. And there are other resources out there. I tried AA and it was not for me. In fact, one of the people in there was judging me and telling me what to do my very first meeting. Mm. So I immediately just got out of there. So AA is not for everyone. It wasn't for me. So I found a therapist who deals with addictions and would work the steps in the way I was comfortable. Mm. I'm spiritual. I don't want religion tied to it. I want to work it in my own way. And I found a therapist who's amazing and she was willing to work how I wanted to. And eventually my husband got sober too, but that's a, that took long. Like I almost ended my marriage because he didn't get sober when I did. I almost made that decision for my own health. As much as I love him, I almost left or kicked him out. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but what I had to do, and see, there, and this is a thing with, with therapy, it focuses on the past, and it's a revolving door of the pathology of why you're feeling something now. Mm. And that's okay. I had to understand that. But I also had a really good perspective of why I was the way I was. So going through therapy just kept opening that revolving door, and I never felt like it was taking me to the next step. I didn't feel like I was getting the tools to understand, because my therapist obviously addressed triggers. And what you're mentioning now, Ichigo, is yes, now there are a lot of triggers because we have this pandemic, we have these other issues, we have more solitary time to think. So there's a lot more triggers popping up in people's lives. Yeah. And what I, what I didn't have was a tool set mm. to address them and understand them. And by necessity, I created my own method to deal and understand and process my own triggers so I could move forward. 
so I could understand my emotions and triggers in a healthy way. So my therapist helped me understand the back door, like the backdoor pathology of it, but I never learned to move forward with it. Mm. So that's what I did. I created this, this method that I later named the Roar Method to help me understand. Yeah, share with us. Oh, I will. Yes. So that's, that's what I had to do. And I use it every day. And I will be honest, you know, this is, we're talking about mental health and mindset right now. The last couple of days, for whatever the reason, have been really, really tough for me. I'm finding myself going back down into more of a depressive state that I'm not used to. So I need to call upon the tools that I've put into my toolbox to bring myself out. And that's, that's another thing. We don't always know when the depression is going to hit. We don't. Yeah. We don't always know when the anxiety is going to hit. So the last two days, for whatever the reason, I've been crying and depressed. And I know that's not a healthy place to be now. And I know I'm not going to stay there. So I'm, I, now that I'm in a little lighter of a mood today, um, I'm definitely going to work through the method. So how this works is the ROAR method is you recognize your triggers. First of all, ROAR are recognized. And that is honestly the key for so many so many of us don't even know what our triggers are we just know that we get hijacked by our emotions or we just know we end up on this emotional roller coaster that we just can't get off of absolutely you know That's that feeling of like why am i crying why am i pissed off why why is this why are they doing this to me why are they making me so mad but what we don't realize in the beginning because really we're just unaware is that these are triggers so just understanding that you can take time to recognize, that's really powerful. And that gives, that gives time then to start thinking a little more about how you think. Yeah. So after the recognition, the magic happens in the pause. And this is where the magic started to happen for me. And this is what I'm actually, guys, this is what I'm going to apply today. Again, we don't always know when things are going to pop up, whether it's anxiety, depression, bad habits, addictions, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to dive in today and do my own work because it works. It just plain works. So yeah. the O is for observation. The magic is in the pause, Ichko, because when, when, we know, when, we, when we become aware of our trigger now, we're like, oh, oh, I know what that is. That's a trigger. That's not they did this to me. That's not Harry made me mad. That's not Sally hurt my feelings. It's wow, that's a trigger. Yeah. Okay. So let me take a moment to observe this from a really objective standpoint, mm. like just and when you take that moment to pause instead of react, you take back your power. You're no longer in survivor mode. You're no longer in that trauma response mode that you used to be in. Mm. You now understand that was a trigger. I'm going to observe now for a moment. And when this, between the observation and the A for action part, a lot of deep work can be done. And this is the deep work I'm going to do today. But the deep work is when you go into observation mode, and you've been triggered, you have some time here to look at yourself and be like, hmm, that's really interesting, Heather, that you reacted that way. What's going on today? Let's take a look at this. And when we look at it from a very third person detached view, we're able to get a better picture. There's no judgment. There's no guilt. There's no shame here. We're not criticizing ourselves for feeling a certain way. We're not criticizing for experiencing something but we are doing is taking a look at it from a very curious and playful perspective so after that between the o and the a is when we get to work on well do i need to set boundaries here 
and boundaries are merely just really getting clear on what you value and putting it into action. And I think so many people, myself included, had so much lack of confidence at times because my values weren't clear. Mm. My, my dear friend, you know, she stated it perfectly recently. She said, values are your reward. I'm, I'm sorry, confidence is your reward for becoming crystal clear on your values. And that is so true. And once we understand what we value very deeply, whether it's connection, love, respect, communication, hard work, um, perseverance, yeah. whatever our core values are, and we get really clear on them, we then put them into action that creates boundaries. And boundaries are meant for us, never the other person. They're meant to know where we start and stop and where the other person starts and stops. And it breaks that um, attachment. So do you need to set boundaries? This is where we decide between observation and action. Do you need to hold space for somebody else? And holding space is the, I call it the art of intimate disconnect. Because you might still have to be in the same room with somebody, but the art is detaching, disconnecting emotionally, stopping that enmeshment, stopping that entanglement. And remember, people who may trigger you, and we trigger each other off all the time as humans, somebody who is triggering you may also be triggered back by you because they're trying to meet their own needs in a way that's really unhealthy and they're just not. Yeah. yeah. So there are, there are things that we can do in the observation into action mode and, um, or do you need to just walk away from the situation, but without being passive aggressive, without muttering something under your breath, truly removing yourself because you love yourself and have compassion for yourself, but you will make that promise to come back and address it with yourself later. And then moving into action, that's when you decide what to do. It's yeah. decision. Am I going to step away and then come back later? Am I going to make a boundary right here, right now to protect myself um, in a healthy way? Am I going to, you know, just hold space because maybe this other person is hurting and I really need to not be right here. I don't need to share my opinion. I don't need to explain. I just need to let them be in the space they need to be in without me becoming affected. And then R is the reflection, taking time to look back through the whole event, the whole sequence, you know, what went well, what could have gone better, how can you be proactive next time, what do you need to do differently, what areas do you need to work on more. That's the method that I developed because I needed, I needed something I could use when I was becoming out of control. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That's so beautiful. I think people are going to benefit so much. Like I really want to encourage everybody to give it a try because I think like whether like you triggered right now in the moment, even like in the, I think people are get really attached to certain things. And especially when you attached, attached emotionally, it's like so hard to get out of. Oh my gosh. I think in my opinion, like women are very emotional also. Like we get, get emotional so fast and then we just don't know what's really going on. And I really, really love your method. I think it's going to be amazing. And I really like the one you say, like, observe and just stop. And, you know, what is really triggering you, right? So, like, identify first and then, like, what's going on and observe that. I love that. Yeah. And then also I want to talk about the de-attachment as well a little bit because it's whether you're triggered in the moment and, you know, you're so much attached to that and or even in the, the uh, future perspective, right? Like, I think one another thing I notice is people like get so much attached to the, their result. You know what I mean? Like if they like if they have a goal or things like that, and they're like so attached, and if they don't get it, like they get really disappointed, and 
or you know um that's kind of like one thing i noticed i don't know my question is like how do you stay uh detached from the result or the goal or the vision that you have that's a really good question and i love your perspective on that it's i have i have noticed that um but it's not been at the forefront of my thoughts so i appreciate you bringing this up because now i can ponder this quickly and and have a discussion about it um what's your opinion you know I think if people in general, I think if they're attached to one thing in life, whether it be an, a goal or a person or an idea of a relationship yeah. or material items, I think if there's one attachment somewhere, there's attachments elsewhere. And I think that's time to start looking at what else are we attached to? Because usually being attached to something means a fear of loss of something. So if we're attached and the thing, and what I've learned and, um, this was, this was going through my latest course. Um, I just became a meditation teacher, so I'm super excited about that. Because Yay, congratulations. Yeah, so That's it's, exciting. I, I love it. I, it was such an amazing experience because somebody who had, like me, I'm going to deviate for a second, who has anxiety and brain is always moving because I always have ideas going through my head. Thinking that there's no way that I could ever do meditation, I did it and I love it. And now I incorporate it because it's so important for reprogramming the subconscious mind. So my strategies help to reprogram the conscious mind. And now the meditation has helped reprogram the subconscious mind. So, um, but what I did learn and I had to do a lot of work on my own is understanding that nothing in life is permanent and understanding that relationships are not permanent. Material items are not permanent. Parents are not permanent. Um, even sometimes children are not meant to be permanent in our lives whether it doesn't matter how, they're just not always meant to be there. We lose friends, um, you know, friendships change, people come and go out of our lives, um, things come and go out of our lives. Yeah. And I, I really think understanding that to release attachment from all things yeah. is really important. So if you have an attachment to a goal and you don't achieve it, I really think there are attachments elsewhere in your life. So look at where else are you holding on to these attachments? If you think of if this would go away tomorrow, or if this person would leave tomorrow, how would you feel? And if there's that strong sense of like, it's in the solar plexus or heart, there's yeah. an attachment there. We have as humans, we, we think we have to hold on to things. Yeah. So yeah. How do you release the attachment of the goal? You get obsessed with getting results along the way. Like make that your obsession. These, every result that you get in the right direction, be freaking obsessed in a good way about it. Like just be so enthralled with the process and each little win that you have that honestly your desired outcome, yeah. it's something that you put out there, but that's not the be all and end all because once you reach it anyway, you're going to make another one. So if you release attachment to the end result and get super stoked and like fired up about the process and the small wins along the way that will help releasing attachment from this big outcome. And remember there are no failures. You only have results. Failure doesn't even exist. It's a result. Yeah. You know, we live in a cause and effect. Really it's the law of we live in a cause and effect. Yeah. So whatever happens, it's just a result of something. It doesn't mean you failed. You're not a failure. You just didn't get your desired outcome. So what do you do? You step backwards. You figure out why you come up with a new plan. So if you release the attachment of the outcome and focus on the process along the way and the small wins, 
that will really help just take the focus off of that. Sure, you can have your desired outcome. Absolutely. But it's not the be all and end all because you're going to change it anyway. Absolutely. Even I have heard like this, like if you're trying to get something, you, you don't get anything at all. Like in this world, like, you know, you're actually here to create something, not trying to get something is what I heard. Like now, yeah. like more I think about it, total makes sense. You know, like people are so attached to trying to get something so it doesn't go anywhere. So versus maybe like the shifting the mindset and looking at it differently. So what can I create this world? How can I add value instead of trying to get, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I heard. And I like, I like also what you said about the result part too. Like also I have heard like, have what do you have? Like the result at this moment you created, this is what you, what do you get, you know? Uh, have what do you have? And oftentimes people are super, super disappointed with with their life, either, you know, the happiness, love, you know, or the where they, whatever they live. And well, this is the result you get, you know, but you know, the good news is you can always change it. You know, like you're not a chair, you know, you, you, you gotta move, you know, do something about it. And if you don't like your result, I mean, that means you got to change something, right? To get another different result. Because if you keep doing the same thing and over and over and over again, what do you call that? Insanity, right? So, um, so don't repeat the same thing. So it's either the mindset or behavior or the action, whatever you're doing, you got to just do differently. So then you can actually get the result that you're looking for, right? Yeah. Love it. So now I'd like to ask you about your vision. Like what is, you know, you're actually coach and meditation teacher, like Reiki teacher, like you have a lot of certificate going on. You help people. So I want to know about your vision to this world. My vision. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, it's a big one. Love it, it. Honestly, it's what, it, it is what keeps me going. So like I said earlier, even though I've been in this like super like funk, if you will, I'm human. So even though I help people think better and I don't even like using, I don't like using the word mindset so much anymore because it's so used. It's, and people are like, what does that even, what is mindset? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. It's it's about learning how to think better because we were never taught how to think. As children, we were never taught how to think, how to process, how to understand our emotions. So I teach people how to think better, think better. Like, because yeah. when you think better, you feel better, and then you live better. So my vision is getting as many people coached as I can. I don't, but I like teaching. I, th- I consider myself more of a teacher, I think. Sharing what I've learned, what I've experienced, um, and also learning from all the people I come in contact with. So I'm always yeah. a student. But my big vision is I want everybody in the world to understand that they are not, um, they're not just passengers with their emotions, that if they are getting upset or feeling a certain way, that we can understand these triggers, that we don't have to live in suffering because all of our suffering is honestly, it's between our two ears. All of our suffering is in our own head. We create our own reality. My vision is to help elevate the whole frequency of the world by starting with one person at a time because when we collectively raise our vibration into that of true love, pure love, unconditional love, we truly can heal. We can, we can actually change our own DNA structure just by elevating to the frequency of love. We can end ancestral trauma. We can end the generational trauma. So my vision is 
having people start the healing process, understanding the triggers, taking full responsibility for their lives, for their emotions, understanding that happiness is not a goal, it's a state of being that you can change in a split second. My vision is just honestly elevating, awakening, healing, truly healing generational trauma, understanding triggers, because again, we weren't taught how to think as kids. We were taught what to think, what to say, but we were never taught how to. So now my vision is to help people just learn how to think better so you can stop being prisoners of your own thoughts and stories. Thank you. Wow. Makes me to think like, I mean, I remember like myself, like back in the day, I mean, I didn't really know at the time, but like lately, like what I'm also getting so much out of this coaches is like, you know, like your thoughts create the reality of your own life, you know? sometimes whether you like it or not that's the fact so so amazing what you do you know you really help people to have to think to create the result and whatever you want to create in this world right and it's it's beautiful i love it so yeah also we talk about this mindset and really it's really mindset is really the thing you can actually the perspective changing your own perspective and looking at things differently so you can actually have the result that you are looking for right instead of being so attached you know what we do is like what i do and what we all do is like helping women and also like i kind of notice women we are having this like self-worth issue you know so like where does that come from you know i want to kind of like just touch base and how can we really also overcome that struggle you know what i mean like i really found it challenging for a lot of women especially like just because like i see they're like saying like i don't deserve this you know i don't don't deserve love Mm -hmm. whatever and there's so many things you can mention it so yeah oh i love this topic this this is a juicy one in fact i did um talked about this recently in the one group I'm in. So I will try to keep this really brief, but the way, the way I like to talk about this is when we are feeling lack of confidence, when we feel lack of self-worth, when we have self-sabotaging behaviors or thoughts, it really is because just like a house, our foundation has some cracks in it. Our foundation is a little crumbly. Um, And what we need to do is start to rebuild that foundation. And to me, this is what mindset really is about. Um, It's about rebuilding a foundation or improving the foundation of which our house, which is ourselves, our our being is really resting upon. And how that is done, and I, I, again, this is all the processes that I've done myself and I take my clients through. And actually that I've pretty much been helping people with for years, I just didn't realize that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. First thing first, taking responsibility. And like you said, Ishko, it's, you know, we have to take responsibility for everything that has shown up in our lives. We have to. First things first, taking responsibility for everything that has shown up in your life right now. Take responsibility for that. And sometimes that's hard to do, but you know what? It's also very liberating because when you take full responsibility, you release that burden from anybody else in your life. You release some of that burden. Now that's your responsibility. And now that's a really powerful place to start from. So first things first, story. We all have a story. We all tell a story. 
Yep. Start breaking apart your story. What story goes on in your head every day? What role, what like, where are you? What in the drama triangle? Are you a victim? Are you a rescuer? Are you a persecutor? We all play a role. Sometimes we played all three. So look at your story. Is your story standing on you or are you standing on top of your story? Um, and where are you in this? What character are you playing? And just be real honest about it. Just be real honest in the beginning. Like, where are you in the story? Also, what I've noticed, what story do you tell others who are listening? Mm. So we all have that one story about when I was a little girl, this happened to me. Or I've also heard my ex-husband did this and he did that and he treated me like this. And while he did, and it just, it's this story that we tell to anybody who will listen. Mine was about my mom. Anyone who would listen, can you believe she said this to me? Can you believe she did that? You know, it just, it was, a, it was on repeat. So what story goes on in your head? What, what role, what character are you playing? Are you a victim? Are you a persecutor? Are you a rescuer? Maybe you're all three. Poke some holes in that story and then start to rewrite it. So you are now mm. in charge. You are now the hero or heroine. You are now reframing this story so you're no longer the victim. Because mm -hmm. this is, we don't want to be the victim. We're not the victim. It's yeah. victim mindset. Yeah, exactly. How can you recreate the story where you are no longer a victim? It's sure yeah. the events may have happened, but it's how you play the role in the story. Next, beliefs and roles. And again, this is, this is starting to rebuild and repair the foundation that's been shaken. Because once we do that, then you become unshakable with your confidence. There's no more issue of self-worth. There's no more self-sabotage because your foundation is solid. So beliefs and rules. They're similar, but there's a slight difference. Beliefs are, beliefs are our belief system. Beliefs that we carry, they create our reality. Our beliefs make our reality. So oftentimes when we're little, something happens and we've all had trauma. All of us, every single one of us had trauma. And it can be, and I'm not, I don't like to quant, you know, quantify, but I'm just going to use examples here. Big trauma, little trauma, perceived trauma, physical trauma, emotional trauma, um, financial trauma. It doesn't matter. We've all had trauma. And as a result of that, when we're little, usually between the ages of zero, like still in the womb, to about, say, 10 to 12, we form a belief system. We also start creating our stories. Sometimes we have an experience and then we form a story that creates a belief system. Sometimes we believe something and that leads into a story. It doesn't matter. Either way, beliefs and stories, they circulate. So I also like to think that oftentimes we are handed down beliefs from our family. A lot of the times as we grow older, some of these beliefs, once we poke holes in them and look at them um, objectively, they're not even ours. I like to think of them as they are hand-me-down clothes. It's like our families give us these belief systems like hand-me-down clothes and we wear them. We put those suckers on, we wear them, and we keep wearing these hand-me-down beliefs. They don't even fit us. They don't even fit us, but we continue to wear them. So I like to ask people to start looking at your belief system. What do you currently believe in the areas of love and relationships, sex, money, religion, spirituality, career? Those are the main ones. See what your beliefs are. Are they even yours? What about you is not even you. It's been handed down to you. Then we start to recreate the beliefs that actually do resonate with us, that are in alignment with our mission, our values, our purpose. 
and they really resonate with us because now they're in our truth and alignment. Rules, rules, we all make rule systems for everything too. We create rules and usually we create rules around love, acceptance, rejection, maybe like career finance, stuff like that. So for example, I'm gonna use a business one. What is your rule that you have around being successful? What are your rules around being successful? And it may look like, well, I'm only successful if I hit $15,000 a month every month for the next five months in a row. See how that rule system can, if you don't meet it, can start to kind of shatter your confidence because you've made, you've boxed yourself in a rule system. Or another mm -hmm. one is, you know, um, when acceptance, acceptance and love. Well, my husband has to tell me five times a day that he loves me. That's how I know. That's how I feel accepted. He has to rub my back every night. He has to make my tea. I, that makes me feel accepted. Well, if he doesn't do that, what happens? Well, I feel rejected. Mm. See, we make rules. When we start to reframe our rule system and actually make them so outlandish that we will never feel rejected. We will always feel accepted. We will always feel loved. Um, then we can start to live more freely because we've lifted these rules that we've put around. So if you can rewrite a rule system for yourself that makes it look like, you know what, I will only feel rejected if everybody that I've ever known and loved never speaks to me ever again in this entire lifetime, then I'll feel rejected. Well, that's never going to happen. So now you've just created a rule. So you're never going to feel rejected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it can seem kind of outlandish, but what you're doing is you're removing this attachment from rules. You're removing your attachments. You're getting rid of them. You don't need them. Rules do not serve us in that capacity. Mm -hmm. And then values. I mentioned that before, getting super crystal clear on your values. When you're crystal clear on your values, you then are able to live with more integrity, more in alignment with your mission, your values, and your purpose, because you're crystal clear. When we are crystal clear in our values, they're not sullied anymore by, by people's opinions. They're just, they're clear because we know what they are now. And when we start to put our values into action, amazing things happen. We feel more confident because now we're setting healthy boundaries. And we have to set healthy boundaries with ourselves to start with. And that will, that will trickle into our other relationships because we put what we value into action. There's no question about it anymore. That builds confidence because we are clear on what we value. And then identity. How do we identify? And I like to use, we, we say mini declarations in our head. I, instead of affirmations, I like to use the word declaration. We make little declaration statements all day long in our head, right? It'll be like, I'm this, I am that, I'm not this, I'm not that. It could be like, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm angry, I'm not productive, I'm not getting anything done. See, when this circle circulates in our minds, we're actually programming our subconscious. Each little declaration statement we're making, it's programming our subconscious. So becoming really aware of these little mini declarations all day long is really important because again, this is all repairing the foundation. This is all solidifying and making a super strong foundation because when you piece them all together, you become unshakable because you, you become so clear in your new story. You become so clear on your new belief system. You know what rules you have. So you're never going to feel rejected. You're always going to feel accepted and love. You're always going to feel productive. You're always going to feel successful. And these values, you get so clear on them that you can easily just put them into play all the time 
you know your direction, you know what you value, and you take action on them. And then using these, this mind to really look at your little declarations and reframing them throughout the day, instead of saying, I'm so pissed, say, I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling out of sorts. I'm feeling I could make some changes here. Um, when you detach from making an identity with it, you're separating yourself from that identity. You're not programming your subconscious anymore to have these little negative thoughts trickle in all the time. So using all of that is, is how we build that foundation. It's not one thing. It's not, it's not just saying positive affirmations in the mirror in the morning. That's not going to rebuild the foundation. That's really not going to help your self-worth if you just do that, because we have to look at the foundation. You can have a beautiful house on rocky foundation. A big gust of wind's gonna come by and crumble that house because the foundation crumbled. But if we build this beautifully strong foundation within us, the biggest gust of wind, the, the biggest naysayer, the, the biggest criticism will never knock us off our foundation now. Wow, wow, you're amazing. So really what I'm hearing you say is the self-worth issue come from, you know, when you try to, when you're growing up, when you try to blame somebody else and that's the, you know, message you got in your mind and that you kind of, kind of carry on that throughout your life, right? And that makes you feel like you're not worthy, you're not good enough for everything else. So, yeah. But, you know, another thing though, like one thing I know is like when you were a child, you are a little girl, right? Or a little boy. And um, so it's really, I mean, another thing like I would like to just kind of mention, it's really not your fault if you kind of like traumatized by or abused by somebody else, you know, parents or anybody else. It's really not your fault. But the point, what I'm really getting out of from you, it sounded like, really what story are you telling yourself right so are you playing a role of victim when you are telling your story right or are you just taking ownership okay this happened but like that's not who i am like doesn't have my past doesn't have to define me right so like what role are you playing when you are telling your story to others so i love that because i know like when you play victim what i know is like you become powerless right so when you're taking ownership, like you become powerful. So I, I absolutely love it. But I think another thing like I, I just want to say is like, I think we're just kind of like a victim to our thought. And it's also not our fault neither. You know, again, like you say, like we, nobody taught us to have to think and we, we know what we know, you know, and we kind of carry on the things how you know how parents taught us right so it's really we can't blame anything on anybody but but right now we can make a decision in the moment to taking ownership okay that's okay you know what this has happened i'm gonna forgive myself i'm gonna taking ownership of it right so i love that because like like i don't like to also say people like okay you're a victim you know what i mean like yes you are maybe perhaps in the moment victim to your thoughts or the circumstances you have but you can change it and also it is possible for you right and i yes. love that thank you for sharing that that was so awesome i even understand even more i'm like oh my goodness that's so amazing now, like, what legacy? We're about to end. Like, time really goes by so fast. I, know. Like, I could talk for hours on this. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. 
Yeah, and I really see you really like took your time to understand this. Like, man, you are very, very, very knowledgeable about this, and I'm I'm very impressed. I will say, yeah. So, uh, what legacy do you want to leave this world? You know, I thought about this, and I thought. I just, like I said earlier, I have such big visions, but legacy would I like, oh, I mean, honestly, if I could, if I could help one person, if I could help one person end their own suffering and create that ripple effect, I mean, ideally, I would love to impact the world. Of course I would. And that, that's, I would love to impact so many people that the ripple effect honestly does go across the world as far as it can. And the legacy is to understand we are not we are not victims we are not victims we are powerful individual beings um we are truly full of love and light and if we can just get out of our own way yeah we can live the life of pure joy and bliss that we're meant to live i want people to think better the legacy is think better feel better live better learn how to think differently learn how to think better Start teaching kids how to think and how to process their emotions. As a side note, I'm actually working on a little project like that right now. I don't want to give too many details, but oh, share with us. Share? Okay, I'll share. Um, it's called Moms for Kids, and I just came up with this idea because our next generation are the kids, these little kids. We need to start teaching kids how to think and how to process. So many kids have been affected by COVID and the pandemic, and they've seen their own parents crumble under the stress. So I want to create a way that I can impact parents and have the parents impact their kids. So it's mindfulness, mindfulness oriented meditation strategies for kids, moms for kids. And I did some research about um, how in Japan and other countries in Asia, they teach kids how to meditate before they teach them mathematics. Oh, wow. Uh, They teach them communication before they teach them calculus. They teach them how to be good people before they teach them geometry. So teaching kids how to process and think through their emotions and know what they feel like, where are they feeling them, how to express them, how to release them in a healthy way, we will be setting up, and maybe that is, maybe that is my legacy, teaching kids and creating that legacy so we can keep moving forward. And people who are learning to think better and process their emotions and not become angry and not become full of hate because they're understanding where their triggers and emotions are coming from. I love that because you, like in the beginning of the conversation, you even mentioned about like growing up, we just didn't know how to like have to think. So it, it makes sense why you like makes sense. Why is it? Why do you want that? Like for that, for your legacy. So I, I guess, love so. I guess you kind of is, extracted that out of me with this new like little thing I recently thought of um, creating. I'm in the very beginning stages, but I know it's going to be called Moms for Kids. It's about teaching little meditation strategies that kids can implement, teaching them how to use breathing techniques, teaching them how to express, feel, and acknowledge their emotions in a really healthy way. So maybe that is. Thank you. Thank you for extracting that because I wasn't quite sure, (laughs) you know, what my, my legacy might be. I don't know. Yeah. I don't you're welcome okay so where people can find you share with us i think there's so many people want to like learn more i want to keep in touch what's funny is you know you know some of my own struggles in this journey and, and technology has been one of them um so guys right now you can find me on facebook but that's okay i will 
I'm working on my website. It's unleashyourroar.com. Love that. Yes. So, you know, unleash your roar and the roar method. So I will be having a website that's going to list everything. I'm going old school with my stuff. I'm taking it back to, you can find everything about me and my programs right there. But right now, Facebook or by email, rise number two roar now at Gmail or through Facebook. Heather Prisby Condomity. I have a lot of, I do a lot of discussion on these topics right on my own profile. Like that is where my stuff is. <laughs> Love that. Well, I'm going to put, make sure put all of them on the show <laughs> so people can find you. Well, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much oh, for being here. I really you. appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ichiko. You are wonderful, amazing. You are such a bright light and I am so glad that you asked me to do this. Thank you. Of course, thank you.